Welcome back to Cocktails and Classics. It's another dad chat. Just two dads drinking and watching, talking about movies your dad's probably seen. And this is the first uh, official one that, like, since Isla has been born. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's it's no longer like a buddy comedy movie <laughs> where it was like, it's... one's a dad, one's a dad to be. Now, now <laughs> together they watch movies. Now it's a sad drama movie. One's a dad. <laughs> the other one's also a dad. They're tired, but they're going to talk about a movie. <laughs> they had an hour and a half break from caring for their child to watch this movie in peace. And now they're going to talk about it. Now they've managed to find another hour and a half to talk about it. Granted, it's nine at night and the baby has been asleep for... <laughs> And they can't talk too loud or else the child will wake up. <laughs> it's a sad existence. Oh, it is. It's almost a horror movie, some would say. Uh, much like the movie we watched this oh, week. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> what a segue. This week, we're doing The Lost Boys. It's uh, Warner Brothers' 100th anniversary. And uh, we've kind of been going doing a couple of Warner Brothers movies in a row here. So you still have time. If you haven't heard, you haven't listened to any of our other episodes or it's your first episode, go to our Instagram right now at Cocktails and Classics Pod and enter our giveaway where we teamed up with Warner Brothers to give away five movie bundles. And you can win the Maltese Falcon, Rebel Without a Cause, and Cool Hand Luke for the first time in 4K UHD. You got to be in the U.S. You got to be 13 years or older. Go follow the instructions over there. It's a like, a share, a tag, or something like that. Win, win $30 worth of free movies, you know? And not like not like $5 bin movies. These are not just, you know, some sort of rummage through and find in a middle aisle of a Walmart. These are, these are classic films. So because of this, I've been on the WB100 website, which is like they've been doing sales and stuff. So those movies are on sale right now. Even if you, if you want to wait and try and win the giveaway, you know? Or you go buy them right now on Warner Brothers. Um, this Lost Boys was on sale last week. Like, it was like five bucks maybe for the UHD. I should have bought it then because it was not on sale this week. <laughs> ah, yeah. And I, I was sad, boy. I was like, damn. Had you seen this? No. Okay, I hadn't either. It was on my watch list for a long time. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's just, you know, let go of the bars and, and float on down to our cocktail. <laughs> it's just going to be like the battle of the segues. <laughs> so this week we're doing the blood and sand cocktail. It's fitting vampires, you know, blood. And I was trying to find something that literally was not like bright red with like some crazy shit in it, like cranberry juice or something. Blood and Sand Cocktail is a classic uh, scotch cocktail. It was, uh, the complete history is somewhat shaky, but it is accepted that it was inspired by the movie Blood and Sand. The original film was produced in 1922, remade in 1941, and again in 1989. The ingredients are three quarters of an ounce of scotch, three quarters of an ounce of a cherry brandy, or like a, a cherry herring, cherry liqueur, Three quarters of an ounce of a sweet vermouth, and then three quarters of an ounce of orange juice. I was reading uh, that apparently, like, uh, I think it was liquor.com 
had like an opinion piece kind of thing where it was like, what's wrong with the blood and sand cocktail? Like, why does it suck? And like, the answer was like, you're not shaking it hard enough. So they were like vigorously shake this thing, uh, like to get it almost frothy. And it's going to be, you're going to get a little bit of uh, sweet citrus. um, And then hopefully you're going to get some of that. uh, They recommend fresh squeezed orange juice. So that's where you're going to get that like nice citrus taste. And then uh, you'll get a little bit of the cherry from the cherry brandy. And yeah, it's red. And blood and sand, you know. We, yeah. Blood I'm and sand. I'm okay. the vampires. You watch this movie. And he drinks blood. <laughs> and they literally, they're on the beach. They live in a beach town. Yeah. And and I didn't, we, I texted Ben. I was like, I feel like the cop out here is red wine. <laughs> because oh, yeah. In the, Just in straight the movie, out of the bottle, he hands right? him this bottle. Yeah. <laughs> hands him a bottle and he's like, drink this. And, you know, Michael's like, oh, it's wine. Of course I'm going to drink it. And, and Star is like, no, it's blood. It's blood. So we wanted to. The thing is, he takes the first drink and isn't immediately like, "This is not wine." Gross! This is very coppery. <laughs> I wonder if it was like his first time drinking, and he's just like, "Oh, this tastes like all the other wine I've ever had." <laughs> <laughs> oh, big big wine guy! <laughs> and then, it, oh. oh my god, it's that like awkward, cringy, like superimposed. <laughs> <laughs> like him drinking it with like the clouds and shit. Oh my god, this movie was very eighties. Oh I yeah, will say as far oh, as the hundred percent. A lot um, of it. A lot of other stuff was also very eighties about this movie. Um, if you want to try a blood and sand, check the show notes below. Get the recipe. Hit up the caskers links, um, and make yourself one. Hit us up at cocktails and classics pod and let us know what you think of the cocktail you can watch the lost boys right now on tubi i believe with ads yeah and then it has kind of been dancing around on sale um with the warner brothers sale so maybe keep an eye out for that as well and check because i feel like it was just recently on a streaming i think it was on hbo maybe it just left like not it too long ago honestly this is a movie that will probably come back to hbo like Every year around Halloween time, I would imagine. This is one of those, like, we'll show up at Halloween and then kind of get taken down after a little bit. But it just feels like one of those, uh, feels like one of those movies that usually just pops up on, on streaming all the time. Those, like, classic, uh, kind of, like, bigger studio movies, I feel like always show up. Yeah. So The Lost Boys is a 1987 uh, horror comedy film. Directed by Joel Schumacher, written by Jan Fisher, James Jeremias, and Jeffrey ba- Jeffrey Bohm. Uh, stars uh, Jason Patrick, Corey Haim, Diane West, Weist, West, uh, Weist, Diane Weist, Weist. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Barnard Hughes, um, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Corey Feldman, Jameson Newlander. Alex Winter was in there. I was like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we watched, you it's know. the guy from Bill and Ted. <laughs> we watched Bill last week. We watched Ted this week, you know. It currently sits at a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And uh, as Ben and I had said, neither of us had watched it. Um, and it had been on my watch list for a while. I, I don't know. if I feel like this movie's kind of hyped up in a sense. Like, it, I feel like it's more famous or more popular than I would have expected after watching it, I will say. 
Um, I think, so I think the thing with this movie, well, one, yes, uh, I feel like there's definitely always been like a big surrounding hype about this movie, but I do also think that it's probably due to the fact that one, it's a movie with the two Corys, which was like part of the big thing. Um, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. It was part of that genre where they were making like a bunch of, of movies with those two. Um, and I also think it's something not necessarily our age, but like, between like our generation and our parents generation that's where this movie like just hits like it it does kind of remind me i see like the more like this section and like thinking back watching it i'm like okay the more like this are gremlins fright night an american werewolf in london poltergeist i'm like okay yeah i got some that was even like recommendation of like goonies came up after that was kind of in that that a more lighthearted but similar yeah. kind of vein. Because, like, have you ever seen Fright Night? No. Okay, it's very much, like, the same sort of, like, the plot is he lives, like, a vampire moves in next to him, and he, like, uh, it's I think the vampire's, like, dating his mom or is, like, interested in his mom, and so it's, like, it's same weird, like, kind of, like, it's a little spooky, but it's it leans more, like, lighthearted comedy kind of. Yeah, and I will say this one is like that for most of the movie until like the last bit where they like actually have the battle with the vampires, and then dudes are like melting in the bath and their arms are blowing off and stuff. Yeah, she <laughs> like really hit the towards fan. the end. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like this dude's arms are just flying off. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if I've ever. S- I think I watched Stand by Me. You a little think? while ago. Oh, man. Yeah, it wasn't, seen it, that. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really enjoy it. That's probably... I know. I'm sorry. Stand By Me is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, oh, okay. It's definitely um, in, like, my top five or top ten movies of all time. Uh, well, I'll definitely... I would definitely give it a uh, another watch, but I've never seen, like... Um, I've never seen, like, The Goonies... I haven't I, watched many Corey Feldman movies. I didn't see movies. The Goonies until my wife made me watch it like a couple of years ago. Because she's like, oh my god, you've never seen... I'm like, no, we didn't... just wasn't really on our on our radar. So, oh my god, you've yeah. got to watch it. And I was like, okay. I, I was good. It wasn't worth all of the hype that people have for it when they watch it as kids. But Yeah, I feel like as a kid it probably hits, hits differently. Stand By Me, you've also got to remember, is a period piece set in the 1950s. So, like, the soundtrack is all 50s music, which I enjoy. It's very much kind of Americana, and I don't know. I mean, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Yeah, but, but it, this like, isn't is really... Like, it's it's not like his, like... It's his a novella. he's known for. Well, yeah, yeah. it's a... It's, I mean, which, by... Technically, so is Shawshank, but... Um, just very i think it's in the same book isn't it it might or no be, i don't know he's got so many even like novellas that have different collections in them yeah because i know i know stand by me is in like i think it's is it four seasons what it's i think is what it's called yeah i think so, so it's like just four stories yeah i don't know the body I mean, the, the man has done 
The man has done so much like oh yeah and and like yeah like and, shawshank and, or the green mile that are like completely different from yeah you and know, what 80, he's known for is and 80 percent of them are freaking made into movies so <laughs> dude that guy's got to be worth so much money oh god and then like half of me hates he's like fuck stanley kubrick in the shiny <laughs> <laughs> i liked it like that's like it the was, best was, adaptation of your it was a good movie not not my book did you see the tv series <laughs> they made much better no, me and absolutely no one else saw your TV series. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I knew, like, I knew Kiefer Sutherland from, like, 24. Not that I had watched a lot of 24, but, like, you know, I, like, I knew him, and I knew he was in this movie, and so I, I don't know. I knew it, I knew the hype. So watching it, finally, I, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. I was expecting true horror, and then when I got like, when you were like, oh, Joel Schumacher directed it, I was like, huh? And then watching it, I'm like, okay, yes, it's definitely a lot more lighthearted than this, like, horror. Yeah. Because I, I was like, I'll be honest, it got more intense than I was expecting it based on, like, for what the majority of, like, the first, like, 20 minutes is, is more what I was, more what I was expecting. And then it kind of got into, like, um, when they introduced, what are they, the Frog Brothers? Yeah. Um, when it got into that, I was expecting it to go even more kind of lighthearted, like, kid vampire or kid-like monster movie. Um, there's, I, I feel like there's so many that have kind of done that, like, you know, kids fighting monsters, but also, like, the brothers, like, half vampire, so they're teaming up kind of with, like, monster to fight monster um that's yeah. been done so many times before i mean we we talked about this earlier but the movie is just so 80s like there's like the nazi surf punks the like the echo and the bunny men cover of people are strange by the doors i was like this is this is way 80s. what's so weird to me is how nostalgia like hit i was by this movie when none of most of that shit was not around by the time like realistically when you think of like where we would have been even to be what was his character sam was it sam the main kid yeah so for us when we were like sam's age would have been between 2002 or no 2006 and 2008 in that range yeah like, nothing of this should have felt nostalgic as it did. But, like, watching this movie was like, wow, this is a movie I feel like I would have really enjoyed as a kid. Like, this, this feels like a childhood movie that I've seen. And, like, I have nostalgia for it, though I've never seen it before. That is, like, that is something I notice all the time. The, the Like, in that same vein, It, like, the most recent one has that same effect to me it's like it's based in the 80s or whatever yeah but like for some reason it just feels so nostalgic to me and maybe it's just that like maybe it's the themes and of Could like be. what what's going on like it's like oh you're moving like you're making new friends it's different you know a new town 
a lot of like a lot of these movies have that like bicycling through your like neighborhood thing that yep. like i don't know why that just feels so nostalgic oh to my me. god like, i well it's so weird is i've lived in a, like a, a neighborhood for coming up on three years i feel like i don't see kids riding bikes like up and down the street when i was a kid that's all we did you rode yeah. your bike to your friend's house they got on their bike and you just rode around for hours <laughs> street yeah. lights came on you went home like that that was it that was that was the thing so yeah I, I do think it might be something about that when it's just like oh you're going down to where I, mind you i lived in a town that was a, a mile wide in the middle and maybe five yeah. miles like long I, there was there was no boardwalk there was no uh little video rental comic book store area it was it was there was nothing but just something about like that feeling of like oh man you could ride your bike to wherever you wanted to go just makes you feel like oh yeah. man what a what a nostalgia trip <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was gonna say like i lived on a fucking major highway and there was like five kids that like like our houses were like kind of in a row so you just like literally bike across each other's yards because you couldn't get close to the highway and i was like that was like that was like our freedom was you'd literally just like bike down i saw this reel the other day um that just made me chuckle where it was like only 90 kids will remember or whatever and it was like the kid like bikes up to the curb drops his bike and then walks into the house like just walks into some other kid's house and he's like mrs johnson can tommy come out and play and i'm like i'm like yeah that was basically you know growing up you just like were so close to this other people's like family that you just walk into like or like you'd knock and just be like hey is, is johnny home and it'd be like no he's not and they're like okay all right <laughs> like, yeah. or like they wouldn't answer the door you know it'd just be like like now i feel like you just maybe just text or like yep. message or like i'm sure there's some form of technology that kids would use like if yeah. you give your kid an ipad or an ipod they'd i remember like can you play there were some where because we lived not even a major road it was just it wasn't in our neighbor like our neighborhood was just a little u-shape and then there was like a road and then he crossed it, and there was, like, another block of, of little, like, neighborhoods. Um, and I had friends that lived over on, like, across the, the way. And those friends you would have to call first. You'd talk about hanging out during school. You'd get home. You'd ask your parents. Then you'd have to call. Then you'd have to, like, ride your bike over there. Then call when you got there to make sure that you got across the road that someone could just look down the street and watch you cross. But no one wanted to do it, so you just had to call when you got to your friend's house. Man, kids kids in the future who are going to listen to this podcast are going to be like, these these two old farts are complaining about how things used to be in their day. We're not even say, 30. <laughs> Nostalgia chat, basically. Yeah, no. Like I said, this movie, it was just one of those weird, and maybe it was just like the the Joel Schumacher of it all. Um, just cause growing up, like watched Batman forever, like all the time. And even though they're, they are different. There are definitely times where I'm just like, yeah, this feels like it's made by the same guy. So maybe that's just where it kind of hit. I think the other thing is like, I, th I think just the eighties in general 
it's kind of like this like fetishized like nostalgia trip because like look at stranger things like that now see like what's so weird is that i don't have like watching that show did not give me the same like nostalgia vibe interesting as watching i think i i think i do from the same reason of this like the you know you like biking through the neighborhoods the themes of like you know like young like coming of age kind of like all of that sort of stuff like in a sense in the sense of like shit's happening even though like they're just like normal kids like trying to live their lives like I i don't know like i feel like stranger things does the same sort of thing but that one's like pumped up to like 11 because it's like so meta about like this is literally just we're going to reference every 80s movie ever. Um, and maybe it is maybe it is the like we're referencing the 80s rather than like this was a movie made in the 80s. And it's just like so authentic about it. Like I feel like you wouldn't today. I don't think you would make a movie about these like punk sexy bad boy teen vampires like like this you definitely wouldn't have the greased up dude playing the saxophone at the boardwalk like (laughs) the shirtless dude just rocking out at the saxophone (laughs) and the the crowd was loving it oh my god they were fighting man oh my god they were super into it yeah like uh sam's sam's outfits that man had some loud outfits oh my god yeah yeah, I just I feel like I feel like this movie is so like authentic to like itself in the time. I feel like uh, you just couldn't make it today and like pass it off as it, as if it was like authentic like that. Yeah, I literally <laughs> I like wrote notes while I was watching the movie. I'm like shirtless, greased up, Bret Hart looking dude killing it <laughs> on the sax. <laughs> Well, I wanted to know if like he was like a famous guy, so like I I googled it and tried to look at his thing, and all the pictures of him are just him at conventions, like fan conventions, also shirtless with his saxophone. Oh my god! Like that's just all he been does. Coasting just... on that for like thirty years. I saw uh, I saw this letterbox review over here that just literally says like. Corey Feldman talking in a deep adult voice the whole movie is a is such a choice. <laughs> I will say, he went too hard. Oh, you think it's too hard? I, I think him he, and I think he tried to play it way too seriously, and Joel Schumacher yeah. didn't have the heart to tell him to be like, "Can you play it more like a kid?" Him and his brother. I do love their characters though. Like their characters. Oh, I think their characters are great. I think. Just Corey Feldman trying to talk like he's uh, super like he's Snake Plissken. Yeah, just <laughs> stop it. Yeah, I I did. Okay, so I had a question too, Ben. I wrote this down. Is the Batman number fourteen actually that rare of a comic? I honestly, I mean, anything that's if it's like a volume one, like today, yes. I mean, you're talking a book that came out in like. 1940 so i mean any of it it would be worth it would be worth money i'm, I'm looking it up to see what that issue is because i honestly don't uh the book was um the case batman failed to solve uh the antagonist <laughs> was red rip it's the only time uh single appearance character yeah this doesn't look like there's anything special about it um i think it's literally just 
more so the fact that they it's just, just yeah it. well i mean it's an old and if someone i don't know it, it's also would not surprise me if joel schumacher was actually like legitimately a huge batman fan so it wouldn't surprise me if that was one that like he was looking for it wouldn't surprise me if that was something that like huh. he chased as a kid and he remembered that issue as like the one he was trying to find to fill his collection and then just put that in as as a as a nod um because i know he really wanted to do like when he did batman forever and uh batman and robin um he wanted to do frank miller's batman year one and the studio was like no uh after the really dark batman returns movie we really want something more like light and kid friendly and so he made batman forever and then they went, that was great, but we want to sell more toys. So can you just literally direct a toy commercial and we'll just call it a movie? And then he made Batman and Robin and poor Joel Schumacher. I don't think, I don't think he wanted to make that movie the way it was made. And he kind of got forced into it. With the nipples and well, the bat okay. card. Now I will say the nipples on the bat suit thing. <laughs> I get what he was going for just didn't translate well. He wanted it to look like like statues, like he was basing it off of or if you ever looked at like Greek armor, Roman armor, like they sculpted it, those sculptures of the armors had nipples on them. That's what he was going for. Not a great choice, but understandable given the context of what you were trying to do. I get it. Batman and Robin in general just was such a bad script. There was too much going on. And it felt like every choice was, again, made to be like, oh, what if we what if we made a reason that he has to wear a different suit and it's silver because that'll sell as a toy. Like everything about that movie just was like, oh, how will this sell toys to kids? Because that's where we're going to make a shit ton of money. I will say some of this movie felt a little weird to me, like like, there was just, like, some random scenes some of the times that was, like, the one with the grandpa in his car, where they just got in the car, were going to town, and then they just got out immediately. I was like, what was what was the point of this entire scene? Wait, wait what? There was a scene where, the, like, Sam gets in the car with his grandpa, and he's like, we're going to town. And then the grandpa starts up the car, revs the engine, and then they literally, like, get out. And that was it. Did I watch like a director's cut or something? <laughs> I literally watched this movie last night, and for some reason, I cannot remember. No, I know I didn't. I, I mean, I don't think I was watching a special edition or anything. And literally, yeah, there was like just one. It was a minute and a half, two minute scene. There, he's like, "We're going to town," and then Sam's like, "Ooh, can I drive on the way back?" He's like, "No, you can't." And then they get in, and he's like, listen to this puppy roar. It's like a, I don't know, something pussycat or something. And then he's like, all right, we're done. And they get out, and they walk back, and that's the end of the scene. I thought they were going to visit some, like, I thought he was going into town because he wanted to meet up with the one widow. No, that's uh, later. That's when he's, like, in his truck. He has that, like, car that oh, they steal okay. towards the end. So that's, I think literally that scene is just to introduce the the, the fact that he has another car. 
What I love is when they steal his car and go to, and they kill one of the vampires, and then they come back, and his response is just like, you you know the rule about putting gas in the car. He's like, no, I don't. Well, you do now. And then just walks away like no one's in trouble. <laughs> it didn't need to happen, but it just did. There, There is, okay. For as much as I thought this movie was going to be a horror movie, some of the comedic parts were pretty funny. When they're having dinner with Max for the first time, and he's like trying to prove him as a vampire, and the mom's like, oh, Sam grated the cheese all by himself. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's just garlic. <laughs> and it's very clearly not cheese. <laughs> or or when they like go and like take the holy water. Oh my God, when they like go the into the, of the ch- funeral. <laughs> I thought it was a church. It, it, I, I think thought it they is, were doing but, a baptism. Oh, oh, that I think it was baptism. Just walk in and they're right. like filling their jugs. <laughs> like they looked around. <laughs> like they canteens. Looked, they looked over and all the people in the church are just like, what the fuck are these kids doing? <laughs> they just like awkwardly leave. Oh. Oh, I, I, I wrote down, speaking of Stranger Things, I feel like uh, Michael is like definitely inspiration for Billy in Stranger Things in the third season. That's... The like Dacre, Doc Dacre Montgomery. Yeah, okay. like yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm like I'm like mullet. This, this dude just looks one, like a complete one ripper. earring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the leather jacket type. Yeah. yeah, which I love that he does. Like he sees that star is hanging out with these guys, so he goes buys a leather jacket and then is thinking about getting his ear pierced and. <laughs> like what <laughs> it took me a minute when when the movie started and i'm like okay i pulled up the cast like i, I googled it just because i was like okay cory Haim. i i didn't watch i don't think i've seen a lot of movies that cory Haim was in um but i i recognized who it was i didn't recognize michael I'm like the the girl looks really familiar and i don't know why then as I'm watching, I'm like, she was a mom on a, like, <laughs> I think it was maybe ABC sitcom still standing. I don't think oh I've heard of Oh, my God. That. Yeah, I watched that all the time. Did you ever see Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off? Yes. The kid who was the star of that was the star of, he was like their son on that show interesting but i was watching i'm like she looks so familiar and i don't know why and then it dawned on me who it was and i was like wow i did not think of her as being (laughs) like a teen actress i've only ever seen her as like sitcom mom and it was really kind of a weird their relationship just felt weird it felt like they're they should have or they were supposed to give it more time and all of their scenes just kind of got cut well like when he goes to when he goes back to the place and then they have the like weird supposed to be sex scene, but it's like glossed over like the room style. <laughs> well, actually, the I sorry, the room is not glossed over. The room is like a four minute sex scene um, to the whole song. Um, but <laughs> this one was like, like, I don't know. I was just like, they've known each other for like a day. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just like the whole thing felt like it was like kind of forced like like you're saying like it doesn't really feel like their relationship like developed at all because it was kind of like she was like hanging out with the, the vampires 
she became one, I guess, at some point, or she has been one. Which, she only had to be one, like, slightly longer than Michael, because Michael at some point was supposed to become a, a real vampire, because he was starting to, like, get sweaty well, yeah. and, like, all sorts of stuff. I'm, like, I'm confused how quickly this I don't know, but you don't become a full vampire. Well, you don't become a full vampire until you kill someone. So I don't know how she was just, like, he in, like, two days is, like, getting bloodlust to the point where he's trying to kill his brother. And she's just like, oh, I'm good. Maybe she just pulls, like, the Batman technique and just, like, brutally maims people. But it's like, hey, didn't kill him. <laughs> Not dead, though. I also, like, I've I've seen this new poster for Lost Boys. The one where they're, like, hanging from the, br- the bridge. So I was, like, waiting... I, I was expecting that to not be in the movie, actually, I will say. I was like, what is this, what is this, like, poster? What is this, like, in reference to? And then when it finally came to the bridge scene, I was like, huh, really? Like, that's, that's the scene you chose to make the poster for? I don't, I don't know. Like, it's like, I guess it's a cool scene in essence, but, like, like it's kind of high stakes. You don't really know. Like obviously, you you kind of know they're vampires. I, I feel, feel like. like we knew, but we knew. But imagine seeing that in like eighty seven for the first time, not knowing. Yeah, and like everyone's like falling off, and you're like, oh yeah, and then he just wakes up in bed. I was like, what a weird smash cut transition. But all right, yeah, it just it just felt weird to me. I don't know. Not to say I didn't like this movie. I I really enjoyed watching it it's just um i mean as someone as we've talked about older movies before from like the 80s uh it's campy and cheesy i feel like in all the right ways this movie <laughs> which felt like such a great like transitional movie for like someone to the horror genre like for kids that's like oh you've watched like Halloween Town or Hocus Pocus or this or you know what I mean like things that really don't have stakes there's not really a lot of like real kind of scariness to it then you get to a point where like you watch this movie and it kind of gears you towards watching more like actual scary movies like this is like the intro like the little kids roller coaster like you watch you know riding like the Ferris wheel and like you know the carousel it's like, okay, now you're going to get on this. It's like a mini roller coaster. We're going to see how this goes to see whether or not we're going to keep keep going down this road. Also, I want to I want to know are are towns with like boardwalks and like amusement parks like this? Are they really like this? Um cuz like I've read speaking of Stephen King, I read Joyland is what it's called. Um it's like one of his um like detective novels sort of like he did like a uh, series I, f- I forget what it's like noir like little detective stories like crime stories and so it's about like a guy who's in college and he goes to the, live in this beach town and works at an amusement park like this and i'm like do people really like go to these things all the time? Like if you're living in this town and it's summer, are you at the amusement park every night? Cause is it like, do you have to pay admission? Are you only paying per ride? Like how does it, 
how does it work and then like is it really like as big of a thing as all these movies make it out to be i feel like i could see back then it being a thing especially especially being in like california where it's nice year-round i remember going to new york city for our senior trip and we went to the uh coney island and like it it was april barely anything was open we went to one of the like amusement parks there and we were like the only people there. <laughs> it's like this is nothing <laughs> like what what they always show you Coney Island being like. But then again it was like mid April. It was the middle of a it was the it was the middle of a weekday. So like people were at work. There wasn't people people were at work, kids were at school. We were just like, oh, we're on a school trip, so we could just Kind of fuck around for the day and go to the amusement park. I was going to say, you hadn't watched The Warriors yet, and you knew it was a shithole where, like, gangs hide out. Warriors, <laughs> come out to play. No, no, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't been indoctrinated to that yet. But, yeah, that's really my only experience with that type of, like, boardwalk atmosphere, and it was it was nothing like what the movies make it seem like. But I'd imagine, like, summertime, especially if... And I'm assuming back then probably was like where they would book like bands and probably I think I feel like local bands meant more back then. Like local garage bands and that were a bigger thing that if they had a following, yeah, people probably would go down and like that was just what you did on a Friday or Saturday night. Like that was the place to go. Like I just feel like that's probably what you did. Probably. Sounds like a cool time, hanging out at a, hanging out at your comic book store. Yeah, uh, the comic book store is like in some sketchy back alley though. Like, what the fuck? That's where you get the best deals, or that's where you, the vampire hunters are. Yeah, yeah. The vampire also are the they vampire not kids? hunters whose parents are either like stoned or dead. <laughs> I was gonna say, did the did their parents own the comic book shop or do they? Because they were like, I'd assume the parents. I'd assume the parents kids. own it, but like the entire time, everything they looked like they were, it, it looked like weekended Bernies. <laughs> like the parents just like, were, were hunched over with sunglasses on. It's the 80s, man. What are you going to do? It's crazy, man. Wow. Okay. So I'm looking at some of the trivia for this, and this is actually kind of interesting. So Richard Donner, who is the producer on the movie, was originally set to direct. But as production languished, he moved on to Lethal Weapon and let Joel Schumacher direct. Hmm. Lethal Weapon would come out in the same year. Richard Donner, famous for directing a million things. Wow. I didn't know he was... I didn't even realize he was attached. But that makes so much more sense as to why it feels more nostalgia. Even as much as the Schumacher connection does, I think the fact that it's a Donner movie just takes it over the top in terms of why it feels like such a like a nostalgia themed movie this was actually the first movie of the two Corys, which i didn't realize also the fact that they keep going back to the like theme song the like thou shall not pass <laughs> it's like keeps going back to that song I know, like, God, what was it? Oh, God, I forget the movie. Zach had made a comment um, 
with some movie about how like oh it kept going back to this like reoccurring oh like, it was the warrior song kept, him, but he was yeah oh, it he was, was like, it was like oh. he hated the like and then the next week he was talking about freaking scarface and he's like i loved how it kept going back to the same thing yeah it kept recalling <laughs> the it was like a reprise the whole time or a reprise i'm like no it's literally the same thing <laughs> But I feel like this is like this is like a similar effect where it's like you don't technically hear the same part of the song really, like it kind of samples different parts and then you get the one big like arch. But like it did, it was like kept going back to it. I'm like, is it, what? What is this? Is this like just a like is this a theme? Is this just like a random song? Like what are we doing here? It's like creepy choir children. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't know what it was about this movie, but just watching it just felt like such a nostalgia trip for me. It, it shouldn't have, I don't, I can't explain it, but it did. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, not what I was expecting. <laughs> I expected, I I didn't realize, like, with, when it was, like, Corey Ham and Corey Feldman, I expected more of it to be about those two. I didn't as, expect as much going on with the brother. Like, I just didn't expect it. It didn't make sense. Whoa. Um, all right, so, lighthearted trivia. When asked why he did the film, Joel Schumacher simply stated, vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher was an interesting dude. <laughs> He's just a, he's just a crazy dude, man. That that sounds like uh, what was it with the alien where the guy's like, we needed a monster who could as easily fuck you as they could kill you or something like that. I'm like what? But not as lighthearted. It says Corey Feldman almost wasn't in the movie at the time. Corey was struggling with drug abuse at a young age. Showed up to work coming down from a cocaine binge. Schumacher was very upset that he kept dozing off and was unable to continue filming, so he fired him. But hired him back the next day after Corey apologized and swore to come to work prepared from then on, which he did. Yeah. Dude, how crazy is it to be, like, that young, a Hollywood, like, star? Like, I don't... Like, I feel like you read things about, like, child stars doing drugs and that, and you're just like, yeah. And then you're like, Jesus, how... How up must that be that like these 14 year olds are, are literally in rehab for cocaine addictions like yeah dude i don't like cory feldman has had a rough uh, both of them did well but i think cory feldman also talks about like how he was sexually abused by somebody in hollywood uh, i think right he's mentioned it and then he literally released the he came out with a movie that was literally called like the like the rape of two Corys or something because he, uh, yeah, he's kind of like Blacklist or something, right? Like, no one really... Um, yes. So, he basically made that movie. Which, by the way, he basically came out and said, like, I'm going to come out with this movie and tell the truth of what happened to me and Corey Haim. And he was basically talking about this on The View, and I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was... Was it Barbara Walters? Or Joan... I think it was Barbara Walters when she, she like, was like, why would you do that? Goes off why would on you, him. Why would you do yeah. that? Why would you drag these people's names through the mud now? It was like, uh, really? What, we're just trying to protect <laughs> sex offenders now? Um, yeah. But yeah, basically, so the movie, um, 
Yeah, that he said that Feldman wasn't damaging an entire industry with his allegations. So basically, it says that uh, Charlie Sheen uh, raped Corey Haim on the set of the 1986 movie Lucas. Um, it says that there were uh, a couple people that are actually like registered sex offender Marty Weiss, convicted child molester John John Chrisom, and Alfie Hoffman. Um, as abusers and then he said there was quote a wolf pack group after him working to try and discredit him to which he said he suspected that Corey Haim's mom was the front of the group yeah because it says here that she said she said that it was a different actor uh, actor who was actually the rapist and that Corey's claims are made up yeah yeah, I don't, um, I don't, I, I just remember it coming out and then, you know, it felt like as soon as it was there, it was talked about, eh. such goes the life, the life when there's a 24 hour news cycle, but like, it was like, it was really talked about. It was really talked about. Um, Charlie Sheen was like, this never happened. It was like, oh, Charlie Sheen. It's like, yeah, but Charlie Sheen's like, not really, uh. Like a big name now after two and a half men and he did his own thing and destroyed his own career so also i didn't know that so i mean this probably explains some of what like what on his life with his drug and alcohol abuse but it, it says that he began the emancipation proclamation in hollywood at the age 15 when he was granted emancipation from his parents he stated that he was worth $1 million by the age 15, and by the time the judge ordered the bank records to come forward, he only had $40,000. So I'm like, that's probably, like, a lot of the problems was he was freed from his parents at the age 15 and then was worth so much fucking money that it just probably got him in trouble, Oh, too. yeah. Well, not to mention the, I mean, even before then, he was probably doing whatever to deal with the stress of being probably, like, heavily relied on to be the breadwinner in his family have have you seen the uh the shia labeouf movie honey boy yeah i have not I, it's another one that i feel okay. like i should watch or should have watched but haven't don't know if or when i will i imagine that is very accurate to what a lot of these child stars have gone through in life like for everyone that is like like, I know, who is it, Austin Butler, the guy who just played Elvis? Yeah. Like, I've heard him, I've heard him in interviews talk about, like, like his mom passed away not too long ago, but he was like, my mom was so supportive, she, like, took me to auditions, and, like, she was really always in my corner. I'm like, for every one of those stories I feel like you get, you get, like, the Jeanette McCurdy's, you get the, like, uh, the Shia LaBeouf's, where it's, like, the parents are so obsessed with like their kids becoming stars and making all the money and then like taking their money from their kids and like forcing them to like audition and like miss school and like all this. Like, I feel like there's so many more of those like crazy, like power hungry parents than there are the like, you know what? Why don't you take an acting class? Oh, and I fell in love with acting, and like I knew it was for me. Like, well, have you ever heard? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe talk about his his mom and dad. Mm, kind of. So he did. Um, he was on Conan's podcast talking about it, and uh, he was like, basically, before they 
he would sign on to do the next like Harry Potter movie every time his parents would ask him, do you still want to do this? Because if you don't, you don't have to. Like, you don't have to do this. And he was like, no, yeah. like, I enjoy doing it. Like, it's fun. I, I, but like, he's, he has said it's like his, my parents were so good about the fact that they weren't pushing me to do it. They were just like, they constantly wanted to make sure like I was still enjoying it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good. You read some of these things where like, <laughs> Jeanette McCurdy's mom sounded like, insane yeah i haven't i haven't read her book but i've like read excerpts and like you know people talking about it and i'm like jesus like dude max had such dad vibes such dad vibes and there was something so um i think it was spoiled for me due to the fact that i've watched um we watched oh my god why can i not think of it um the hell is the vampire movie with taika waititi in it oh well uh, what we do in the shadows what we do in the shadows i've watched that and now subsequently the the show um when it's like yes vampires we have to be invited in and it's like okay <laughs> so when they like invited when when he's standing outside holding the flowers and he looks at at michael and yeah. goes can i come in you're the man of the house can i come in <laughs> yeah that's when i was like oh it's him it's gotta be him yeah. Even after they it's this, this subtle, even after they pulled the subtle vampire hints. Yeah, but even after they pulled like the whole like, oh, we tried all this stuff. It can't be him. I'm like, no, it's it's him, it's him. He had to be invited yeah, in. Yeah. Then, and then what's his face says later? He's like, ah, oh, garlic doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that explains it. But also, he said like it doesn't it doesn't work when I've been invited in or something. Oh yeah, like you lose that some of your powers. Yeah, it loses the power when it when you're invited in also the like the heavy heavy handed foreshadowing of like the grandpa putting in the giant wooden stake and then he's like driving into town to go see the widow with the stakes on the back of his truck i'm like okay these are coming these are going through a vampire at some point in this movie yeah (laughs) i'm like you are you are fucking foreshadowing the shit out of that (laughs) now was he was the grandpa of vampire or half vampire i don't think so because at the end Uh, wasn't he like drinking something that looked like the the thing of blood no no i think that was a root beer just the root beer Mm. i thought so because he said like this is my special shelf with my root beers but maybe they weren't root beers and that's why i didn't want the kids to drink them that might be. I mean, he does say that line like he knew there were vampires. Because what, what does he say? Oh, the thing I hate about this town is all the vampires or something? Yeah. As, uh, as the Lost Boys is inspired by Peter Pan, the role of Grandpa is linked with the role of Captain Hook. As the roles are reversed and the Lost Boys are bad in this adaptation, Hook is good. Grandpa shares Hook's mystery and illusion personality. He is often seen plotting, and at the end is the one to defeat the hand vampire, making it clear that he despises all vampires and was aware the whole time. So, no. And I think it is just a, a root beer. Just a crazy coincidence, huh? Also, I didn't know this was the movie where the fucking... Speaking of what we do in the shadows, where they, like, trick the guy 
um, that comes over, Nick or whatever, like the douchey dude who ends up turning into a vampire, like the the noodles or the rice is maggots and the noodles are worms. Yeah. I didn't know this is like where that came from, <laughs> which is like such a douche vampire move. Yeah. Pretty much giant dick move. <laughs> ha, they're vampires. They're still pranksters though. Oh, they still just like to have fun. It's cause they're uh, still young. You know, they don't grow up. There's kids. They're young forever. There's you know? kids. Forever young. I want to be forever young. I'm surprised that song wasn't in here. I did. I did love. Uh, so um, when when they show Sam's room a couple times, um, I did notice the giant Molly Ringwald poster uh, in there, and then who I thought was George Michael. Oh is, no, man! It's actually Rob. It's Lowe. that man, Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw. I saw that in the trivia section where it was like. I guess it was like. Joel Schumacher was basically like hinting that Sam is in the closet due to his pink bike, super masculine, <laughs> super homoerotic uh, Rob Lowe poster on the wall. Uh, the hook earring he's got in his, or the you know one earring he wears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now makes sense, but you know Joel Schumacher just played it off like. What? No, I just directed a movie with Rob Lowe and just wanted to put his poster in the movie. All right, man. Sure. <laughs> Neither Ben nor I had seen this film, so you're going to get two fresh ratings. Ben, you want to go first, or you want me to go first? You go ahead. I'm I'm wavering here, because I have an objective and a subjective. Interesting. All right. I just have one rating. <laughs> um... I don't know. I I uh, I had been wanting to watch this one, and I feel like I waited a little long. Um, like Ben said, this movie had a lot of like that nostalgia feeling, and it feels like one I should have watched when I was a kid because it would have been like perfect for for growing up. I feel like I feel like this is one like Back to the Future or like I'm trying to think of like these other movies from like the eighties and nineties that I watched when I was younger. And I was like, Oh man, these movies just feel, feel so right for like preteen age, you know? And as somebody who does like, I, I enjoy horror and I really enjoy horror comedy. I love when you can like poke fun at the genre itself and, um, you know, be a little meta about it. Uh, the movie is like campy and cheesy all in all the right ways. Feels very eighties. Like Ben said, like Corey Feldman kind of like plays his character like a little ham-fisted, a little a little too serious. I think sometimes that works out in its favor for this movie. Like it's it's never taking itself too seriously, even though there are moments where it's like a little spooky or a little like crazy, where there's you know people falling in holy water and melting and like the what is it death by stereo, uh, like. I don't know. It's. I think it, it tries at some points to be a little too serious, and it and it kind of leans almost. It it almost like leans back around to being like humorous in the sense of like that they were playing it so serious. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I would recommend it. Um, 
I kind of went in expecting one thing and was surprised with what I got. Um, and surprised enough to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I think it kind of lives up to its height. It's kind of like cold classic-y in, my, in a sense, almost, in my opinion. Like, I feel like it's not, like it shouldn't be as popular as it is. I, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. Yeah. All right. All right. That fits. Because, like, subjectively, is this movie great? Mm, not really. S- or what is it? Not subject. Objectively? Objectively, this movie's okay. <laughs> I'd give it, like, a, a six. Subjectively, I agree with you. I think this movie's, like, an eight. Like, this movie is, it's it's good. It's a good movie. It's fun. Um, it, it feeds my nostalgia for, for some reason, the late 80s. But I think it's because that vibe kind of lasted until, like, into the 90s. Yeah. Like, I feel like... It got, the, it got more colorful in the 90s, but it was still, Yeah, I feel like know. the late 80s and kind of through, like, to the mid-90s were very similar. Some things kind of, like, subtly changed, but there's... I don't think there was as big of a culture shift until, like, the late 90s to around the 2000s. Like, I think things got a little bit more, in movie-wise, maybe, like, a little bit darker slash more neon. But, like, I don't think... I don't know. I, I think that era still kind of connects. Um, I I think what you said kind of about... Or, I guess... I, I I said it first about um, Corey Feldman kind of like the dark or the, the low voice being like it didn't work, but it didn't work so well that it it almost made it feel like something about it. It made it feel more like approachable or like something you could actually see watching like as a kid. Like, I, yeah. I feel like if he would have played it more as like your general like kid feeling i don't know that it it would have helped the movie feel almost as lighthearted as it did like the fact that he was playing it up as like this kid who thinks he's hot shit i guess kind of lends itself to the movie being something lighter and something that makes you feel like you're not necessarily watching like a full-on horror movie um yeah i think this is a movie that like late childhood into early teens would like be a great like transition movie um i really liked it i i would put this in like my halloween rotation as something like i would watch i do agree i think it is very much like it has a following and the people who love this movie love this movie but i don't think you have to be like a part of that to enjoy it i think you can just watch this movie and be like wow this was fun it was a fun little, you know, horror comedy. The cast was good. It's always worrisome when your cast is that young as to how good or bad a movie is going to be. This is one that did a good job. Yeah, yeah, I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, if you have seen it and you don't like it, well, respectfully, I disagree. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you enjoyed this, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram at Cocktails and Classics Pod. Uh, enter that giveaway. April 29th is the last day to enter, so hurry over there. Put your entry in, and hopefully you'll win one of five movie bundles. Make a blood and sand. Show notes below to get that recipe. Hit up the casker links to get some alcohol delivered directly to you. Check us out in the next episode. 
Uh, and as always, watch responsibly. <laughs> <laughs>